This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. That's five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. See, I just jumped right into it. I don't even fucking give anybody mm-hmm. a heads up or a warning. Uh, by the way, before we start this podcast, just to let you know, and I've wrote this, written this in the comments, uh, stop talking about my fucking feet, all right? <laughs> Number one, I keep my feet on here without socks because you tell me to put socks on. The more you tell me to do something, I'm not going to do it. So fuck all of you guys. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> That's why I have socks on. That's right. You guys, we, you we guys can keep on. your socks on. This, and what I realized too, what people, I actually cross my toes when I speak. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice that shit. Your toes are pretty animated. Yeah, I'm always just like, <laughs> if I get really happy, oh my God, what's going on here, dude? And I just like fluttering them around. So today we have uh, two very special guests, uh, Jeremy and Anna. As you guys know, uh, I'm a part of a, of, a, of a matcha green tea spot called Sip. Uh, name change pending soon, but for now we're called Sip. Um, we've been doing this now for how long? It's been a while. I think it's been right around a year and a half, so somewhere mm-hmm. around there. A year and a half? I thought it was longer. Shit. I think two years. Wait. Sip yeah, started at Smorgasburg yeah. in technically, July. Technically. It depends where you see the starting point. Well, we started as a pop-up, so if you're looking at that, then. Yeah. So we, 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 Sip was such an interesting concept, and I think a lot of people, you know, because, you know, me, JK, we, we kind of all started doing food at different times, right? So I started off with drips and swirls first. And then later on, Pop Bar came along with you guys and, and everything else. When you guys started doing, when you guys decided to, to, to do Sip, what made you want to do matcha in the first place? So if, if you guys don't know, like obviously these concepts that we invest into and that we, we work on together, is it wasn't really, it didn't really start with me and the JK crew. We, we came along afterwards. Uh, so how did you guys decide to start doing matcha? I think it was something that we just wanted to bring to the States and bring it in a different way. I I don't know if it's truly authentic. I, I think it's, uh, for us, it's the way that I knew how to enjoy matcha. Yeah. Right. And and if you go, you, you went there and the farmers, that's the, the way they enjoy it too. Yeah. And so it's a little different. It's a cold brew way of doing it. It's a, it's a different method. And uh, for us, it was just, we traveled to to Japan mm-hmm. so often in we the past. We love Japan. It's one of our favorite destinations and, and one of the places that we uh, gather a lot of inspiration from. And so for us, it was just, all right, how do we then bring this experience back to L.A.? Well, I don't even know what fucking authenticity means anymore. Just yeah. because like, and I always tell people this when it comes to food. 
like people hold on to this word authenticity so hard nowadays. Right. I don't know what it is. It might have to do with just uh, what's that fucking word that I hate so much? So, oh, appropriation, right? So it's like uh, you, people are taking this this food that they love growing up that maybe that they thought that they used to get made fun of for their whole life, and then right. somebody else that's outside of their culture makes it popular or some shit mm-hmm. like that, right? But authenticity is such a weird thing for me with food because what what really is authentic, right? If you if you really want to boil it down, because let's say for example, let's say. Let's say I was Chinese or Taiwanese, right? My parents would make food different from your parents, right? That's correct, yeah. Right? So whose food is authentic? Because if you go to everybody's house, everybody's food tastes a little different, right? And so yep. pe- people have different influences from here and there. And I think that's that's the part that people get caught up in because I always read that shit on Yelp. So when mm-hmm. I when I go to a restaurant, they go, this shit is authentic. And it's like this fucking Taiwanese spot and it's this blue-eyed, blonde-haired white girl. It's like, what the fuck do you know about <laughs> authenticity, dude? And why does it matter why does it matter to you so much? It's not even a part of your fucking culture in the first place, right? Yeah. So I think like even for us, like when we do matcha, I think that the, the great thing about thing that we do is just there's this there's this concept, and I wrote about it on Instagram, where people have this idea that you have to drink matcha in a very ceremonious way, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's even somebody that I know that is trying to get funding for this um, this docu series that they're doing, where it's, where it's like about like the whitewashing of like matcha and stuff. And you know, huh. to that person's perspective, they were trying to say like it's a it's a cere- it's a ceremonial type of thing. And I'm like, bitch, have you ever been to fucking Japan? Everybody be drinking matcha, dude. That shit's right next to the condoms. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a it's such a weird thing. And I think like when we started doing sip, the cool thing was that uh, our, like our drinks are just they're just fun. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they had to be fun. They had to be a little different. They had to. We had to put our own twist on it. And I, I think the the reason being is, it has to be accessible in a way where people can relate somehow. Yeah. If they don't know what it is, then it's going to be hard for them to try it. If they know what watermelon is, then why don't we mix the two? Yeah. And then start there. I think a reasoning for me to start sip was. I wanted to make matcha the right way. Yeah. Because when we fell in love with matcha from Japan and we came back to L.A., every single place that we had matcha, that was horrible. Like, it just tasted so diluted. It was brown. It was murky. It wasn't what matcha was supposed to be. Yeah. So then we're like, why don't we bring it back from Japan, like source it from Japan, source it from the farm that we know and trust, and bring it back to L.A. and make it great. Yeah. And I don't want to hear anybody talk about our matcha like it's not authentic. I fucking saw it like 3,000-year-old Japanese women pick our fucking leaves, right? Like, I shit you not, they're like it's five amazing. foot one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing, like the work ethic and just just going there, you're so humbled because these are like 80, 90-year-old women and they are they're they're going at it. Yeah, they're, they're harvesting the matcha, mm-hmm. they're doing their thing. They're so lively, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I, I think like the whole hand-picking process threw me off because when we were traveling to other matcha tea farms that weren't ours, I saw the whole machine process right. where, they, where they literally slice off the top of, right. of the, whatever the young bud of the bush and mm-hmm. they just machine process right. it right our motherfucking little grannies they they're go, like picking they're picking individually <laughs> by fucking hand yeah mm-hmm. it was amazing right yeah that's why when I, sometimes when i read these things they're like oh this isn't authentic and i was like i don't know what more i don't know what this authentic word is but i don't know what more you want from us you should talk to these old ladies they're literally picking it by fucking hand yeah, I mean that's for quality control, and and these ladies they do like twenty kilos a day, easy. That's crazy. That's a lot. 
They're like leaves. four foot ten. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember when we, there's that, the shade, because the, the green right. tea leaves are shaded. <laughs> there's no way I could do that because I'm bent halfway over, <laughs> but they're just standing up straight. <laughs> yep. So it has to be 90 year old people because it's not just going to fit under there, dude. It's pretty crazy. When you guys, when we started, you guys did what before? We were, you guys were doing, um, Shrimp Daddy came before. Shrimp Daddy was first. Yeah. Yeah. Shrimp Daddy and and all of our concepts we uh, started with June and Dan. I don't think it would have been possible. Food is so so difficult. Yeah, uh, that that we were we knew that too. Mm-hmm. I think a part of us were like, man, we gotta we gotta find partners and do it with somebody because food is just it's taxing. Number one, yeah, it's it's hard to to. So it's really fun to start something. The real challenge is to maintain and sustain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So and and um, it's Shrimp like Daddy, a relationship. Yeah, kind of. I guess you could explain it that way. Mm-hmm. And so Shrimp Daddy was number one. Shrimp Daddy um, is coming up on three years end in of this November. year. In November. Mm-hmm. And then after that was the Shave Ice concept, Chichidango. That's right. Yeah, The yeah, Hawaiian yeah. Shave Ice. And then after that was um, Zip. Zip. Yeah. So You know what the interesting thing is? Like, I remember when you guys first approached uh, us about Zip, I was like, yo, this shit's going to be dope. Right? It's funny because like when when... Sometimes like we, I think it's investors, we're, we're still individuals, right? So there's, you know, Bart and Gio is their thing. Joe is his thing. I'm my own thing. And then everybody kind of pulls together to see what we want to invest in and what we really want to push, depending on the story, the product, and if we really can back it. Um, for me, like SIP was my was my favorite concept out of everybody, mm-hmm. out of all the stuff, right? Because right. there was Shrimp Daddy and Shrimp Daddy's great and also Chichi Dango, which I very much love. But for some reason, like SIP to me just always, it always just stuck out. And I remember, like, when we first started, I think, like, people were a little apprehensive with, with SIP just because, like, we have already, they have already invested into two major projects. I think, like, SIP for them was something that was a little, a little rocky for them because they were like, oh, well, we already have two. Should we invest into a third one? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, SIP was such a great move for us because, like, number one, a lot of people don't know about it, right? And I think that education process is going to be the, the hard part. Even when we put up posts and, like, I wrote something very simple where I said, your matcha shouldn't be bitter. And they're like, what? <laughs> you yeah. know, they go, what? What do you mean it's not supposed to be bitter? It's supposed to be bitter. And like, it's not supposed to be bitter. And that's actually one of the reasons why people don't like it because whatever they had was very acrid. It's very acrid, bitter, and they don't like that that feeling that it leaves in your mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think right. that was is the biggest challenge to make matcha really accessible to people because there's this whole thing about, number one, they don't know what it is. Right. Number two, they don't know what it does for you. Right. And number three, they don't even know what they should taste for. Right. So this is this is like the the uphill battle that we have to face with this. And I think that for us, the best way to do it was to make it fun. Right. So yeah. I think I mean, because we do a lot of fruit drinks, we do a lot of mixed drinks and we do a lot of drinks that just you, you probably typically wouldn't see done with matcha. Right. Yeah, that's correct. I, I think the fruit drinks were a. After so after doing this, I think the food drinks came from actually getting feedback from the audience. Yeah, they were they wanted the food drinks. They wanted the the watermelon. They wanted the the mango and the strawberry. And it was only after we were like, okay, well, because we we came from this purity mindset. Let's bring it in, in a way where people can really enjoy in its purest form. Let's keep the tradition. Let's keep the tradition, mm-hmm. and then for. For the most part, we're like, all right, let's let's hold off on these. There's a reason why we didn't launch strawberry right when we launched sip. Yeah, and 
And so after a while, we're like, all right, let's accept the fact that people actually want this and let's give it to them. I, I think for us, it took some time to evolve too when, when we launched it because originally the idea was a little different than where it is today. Yeah. It's just about adapting to to the feedback that we're getting. And, and I think a part of that is people like when it's fun. People like yeah. when it's fruit forward. People like that. And, and a part of, I think because we grew up on T2, so a part of what we were trying to accomplish and what actually people wanted were a little different. Yeah. So like T culture, I don't know if you can say it's T culture because most of the people in LA that grew up on T here, they are used to something more bitter. Yeah. They're, they're, they, I think it's like the Listerine effect where if it's not burning, it's not working. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> so if it's not bitter, it's not good. Yeah. And I think they, uh, we all grew up on that thinking this is what good tea is the better the better yeah and it wasn't yeah. until traveling more it wasn't until learning more about tea at at the level that we do it that we found that oh actually good tea is really subtle yeah it's it's sweet it has a natural sweetness to it it's there's a lot of umami to it it feels creamy on the palate yeah and we really try to just bring that back showcase it it wasn't received as well as we would think Hello, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Purple. Now, if you haven't had a Purple mattress, bless the backside or the side of your body. I'm telling you right now, you're missing out. I'm guaranteeing that you're probably like me before I had a Purple mattress. Waking up in the middle of night, maybe you're too hot, maybe you're too cold. Well, guess what? Just like those bears and that porridge, this mattress is just Right, my friends, it's a mattress that's like soft and firm at the same time. And ever since I had this mattress, it's changed my life. I love this mattress. I love it. If you're a big dude, small dude, whatever, this mattress is for you. The technology in it is amazing. And I'm telling you right now, I have never slept any better in my life. I love it. Well, guess what, people? You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text BRAIN to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text BRAIN to 84-888. That's B-R-A-I-N to 84888. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a little too early for its time and also a little too, how would I say, a, a little too bougie, if you will, Yeah, for most people to enjoy. Yeah. And then so we had to bring in the fruit stuff because that's what people were requesting. And uh, there's this whole educational process, which you help a lot with. I think your post did a lot for us. It was just kind of like shocking. I was like, oh, shit, maybe. And I think like what's. I think because when you become so enveloped into learning about something, you forget how uh, not commonplace certain things that we know are to mm -hmm. other people, right? Right? Like how it should taste, you know, the 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 effects that uh, that matcha have has on you, right? Like right. even for, I mean, why is this, I always think about like why coffee is so popular, right? Yeah, and even people who have opinions about coffee, there's this. People, a lot of people don't know about coffee, right? But they always have an opinion on it, which is so right. fascinating to me, right? Because yeah. I, I don't know shit about coffee. Like, we, we've taken coffee classes, you know, yeah. like how to make this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th there was like a point where I just started looking over and trying to copy other people's notes and shit. You were not paying attention. I was not. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee's hard for me. Just like just like drinks or, like, for example, uh, on Ascend Foods, we went to, um, 
we went uh we always go wine or beer tasting right and i think beer is a lot easier for me to taste the difference because there's a stark difference in between each flavors right so if they say like this was aged in a bourbon barrel i'll take i'll taste bourbon right off the bat right right if they say there were there was cranberries and cherries steeped into this correct uh, i'll taste it right off the bat but with wine wine is something that i fucking i fucking hate because i have to sit there and then pretend like i know what i'm talking about because <laughs> like these sommeliers will come up and it's like well this is what so if you have this chardonnay right here you can taste like the 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 oaky the oaky fucking fruity notes off in the summer breeze this and was, then you just nod and i go mm, yes i do yes i do <laughs> yeah in my mind i'm like no i don't no i don't wine is really tough right yeah. wine is fucking i don't understand hard. how some people could do a blindfold test and and pinpoint oh, yeah. the origin it's crazy have you seen that documentary on netflix called yeah. psalm yeah mm-hmm. i number one i have never met people that i was thoroughly impressed with and number two people i also wanted to beat up at the same time <laughs> like i wanted to tell everybody shut the fuck up in that thing because there was a certain point this guy was just the way they, they they describe wine too cracks me up so they'll be like it was this one descriptor he used he goes it tastes like a hot summer's day and a freshly cut garden hose or you sniff the inside and i'm like what the fuck did you just say and why the fuck would i want to drink that <laughs> but then they they would they 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 smell they taste they see whatever the fucking viscosity or whatever and they go mm-hmm. In Italy, in the summer of 1962, impressive. it was a drought that year because mm-hmm. the the grapes weren't as sweet and there wasn't as much water, or there was there wasn't as much water, so the the, the sweetness is more concentrated. Made by an old lady stuck in a vagina, <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they're like, mm, they got a red, <laughs> and yep. they just move on from it. I think like with matcha too. Eventually, I'm not sure if it'll get to that extent. But when people take an interest in it, they'll, they'll be able to see the difference, right? And not just yeah. say it, you know? Because yeah. I, I think now because, like, we drank it so much, I mean, obviously, if it's, like, you know, ceremonial matcha to another ceremonial matcha, I mean, that requires probably a, a definitely a more sophisticated palate. Right. Mm-hmm. But just from bad, good, medium, great. You should you could see and taste the difference. Well, the, the great thing about matcha is there's really only one origin yeah japan mm-hmm. yeah wine on the other hand it's worldwide right mm. and then and then coffee too it's there's a lot of different origins mm. and it, it had a long time to evolve wine coffee and so coffee is what on third phase uh tea really is it hasn't really evolved at all mm. and so most people that have the knowledge are like our parents in their mm-hmm. generation and we're barely scratching the surface so for us to then go and educate on this is even tougher. Uh, we do have one thing working in our favor, which is single origin. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of gets all the confusion out. Because if it's coming from somewhere else other than Japan, then you probably shouldn't drink it. Mm. And then if, um, if, if it's coming from Japan, it's usually pretty good. It's just you have to discern whether it's good, bad, mm-hmm. better, or excellent. Yeah, because there's also yeah. this concept where people go... <clears throat> I think it's funny because like I'll some people will you know I'll, I'll I go to a lot of the matcha places too depending because if I'm not in the area of ours and I'll go somewhere else, but then you know I'll look up reviews and I, I I always love reading reviews about matcha places just because of like the shit that people say right they go I've been to Japan this isn't matcha and I'm like well even in Japan there's a lot of shitty matcha right like yeah. so what what does that mean like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what that fucking means right and we're in this like this weird culture of everybody wants to be an expert about something and I feel like when you're when you even fake to be an expert you get like some type of clout from it right so like my favorite type of Yelp reviews are 
the person that starts off with, so I woke up this morning, the sun was bright. Today was going to be a good day. I fed my dog. I petted my dog. Fluffy was really cute. So because I saw Fluffy, I thought maybe Fluffy pancakes. Like, bitch, who the fuck asked for this whole <laughs> diary entry about your life, bitch? Tell me about the breakfast joint, you fucking hoe. Like, it, it irritates the fucking shit out uh, of the me. The thing is, they're a curse to write more. Like, when you write a Yelp review, it's like, keep going, keep yeah, going. You're almost and there. And it cheers you on yeah, when you write then, a whole paragraph. And then when you write enough, then it's like, oh, this is good really job. good. Mm-hmm. Oh, job. really? It makes yeah. you feel good. It tells you. Oh, my God. That's like encouraging you as you go. Mm-hmm. Because I just want to see the fucking nitty gritty, right? right I, yeah. I want to see what you, you could dislike something. That's fine. I just want to know what you disliked about it right. and what you liked about it. Yeah. And those are my favorite because I could just see it. So when I used to write, write uh, Yelp reviews, I just did, I did pros, cons, ambiance. And I just wrote it bop, 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 bop. I like doing bullet points. Yeah. I would always do, because that's what I want to see, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what do I like about this place? These are my favorite dishes. What do I dislike? This right here. Overall score, I fuck with this place. Move on. And I would I would do a certain thing where, because you can't respond to people on Yelp, I would write a review trashing the person beneath me. Like just because that, they wouldn't let <laughs> me respond true, yeah. to people. And I think if Yelp did that, it would be great because if it has an open community, you have to be responsible for the things that you say. Correct. Mm-hmm. Because right. that's that's the hard part because as a business owner, you can either directly message them or you have to put a public statement for everybody else to see. It's tricky for a business owner. You almost don't want to publicly yeah. message them and then talk about it. Yeah. Other than, hey, I sent you a DM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of in the open domain. And if you're going to really hash something out, I think it's better to keep it private. Yeah. And so it's really tricky for a business owner. I just don't want people to leave away upset. I think yeah. that's the more upsetting part for me. When somebody walks out of our store upset. Like, right. I'm not mad that you left a bad review. I just want to know why you're so angry. Or what did we do to fuck up? Or maybe give us a chance to make to right on right. it. Yeah. Or before something, you leave. Right? Because it's not, it's not so much. I think when, when I talk about this stuff, people go, well, you know, are you so mad? I'm not mad at them. Not really. It's just more like, fuck, I wish I had the opportunity to make this right. Yeah, I wish you would have given me the chance to at least for you to walk away feeling okay, or at best walk away with a smile, even mm-hmm. if you don't like our stuff. Because I just don't like it when people just thank you for giving us a chance of coming into the store. But if you're gonna talk that shit, say it in front of our face, so we can apologize. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> talk yeah, exactly. that shit so we can say sorry. Yeah. You know, you can't. Even, you're not even giving me the opportunity to apologize. Like fuck, man. Like give me, give me something. Yeah, <laughs> you know. We have a sign at the store that says, "If you're not happy with your drink, let us know. We can make it right." Mm. But I think a lot of people just get their drink, they take a sip, they're not happy, they just leave. Yeah. But we tell our team to encourage them to tell the customers please give us another chance. Like if you're not happy with your drink, taste it. Let us know how you like it. Let us do it right. So you can leave happy. Yeah. And if you don't like it, that's, that's completely fine. Just, mm-hmm. you know, at least give a, a, a business owner a chance. And I, and I'm pretty sure even, you know, just maybe just to defend them a little bit. They probably have situations where they spoke up to an owner and they got trashed on. for. Right. Oh, I've seen that. Oh yeah. yeah. I've seen it in person. Yeah. And it's just amazing how people respond it's like that. It's happened to you it's, too. It's, well, why did you order that drink then? Yeah. <laughs> what, it, bitch? <laughs> it's like, you don't like it? Well, you ordered it. It's like, <laughs> I don't understand how some business owners can train their employees to do that. It's it's weird, man. Like, I think, like, having a business is so fucking difficult. There's so many moving parts. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who listen to this, they, they want to know, well, how do we get to that point? Like, how do we? Because it's, it's always easier said than done. Like, I know somebody mm-hmm. right now. Who, mind you, he makes great food. 
right? Great food or amazing food is literally, I, to me, in my, in my personal opinion, like 35% of the game when it comes mm-hmm. to opening up a restaurant, right? Yeah. Um, and in his mind, so he just recently split with his other partners at his restaurant, right? And they, they had a very successful restaurant and it's still up and running now, but they split. And, and you know, from his point of view and his story, what I heard was that they didn't know what they were doing when it came to the business side of things. And he knows better. I was like, cool. I, mean, I trust his judgment. I mean, they have a very successful restaurant. Turns out he goes off somewhere else and he opens up a very similar concept. Um, and I went to the restaurant and food is similar, but everything else is trash. Right. And so the mistake that he made was that he actually underappreciated what his partners did Mm. right so in his mind he thought that he knew better he goes i know how to make the food and the reason why people are coming through these doors is because the food is so great well that is partly true Mm -hmm. but what happens is is if you don't have the customer service correct you're not training your staff correctly you're not training the kitchen right you like you're not you don't have the system set in place everything starts to fall apart and the food gets affected by that too and that's what he's experiencing right now. He goes, I don't get it. Like, I, I pay my people well. Like, this is the same thing that we did over there. I don't understand why it's not working. Well, it's not working because you don't understand what it took to run the place because you were Mr. Chef, Mr. Cook guy. Right. Like you made the food, but you didn't see all the moving parts. And so what's happening with, I mean, the, his place is still doing fine, but it's just not as great as he thought it would be. And I think what he realized was like, oh, shit, I actually don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. when so when you guys started doing SIP, I mean, I, I think number one, what I like about our company the most was is company culture, and I think that's really important to you guys, right? Mm-hmm. That's Definitely, true. that's true. Anna handles most of that. I'm in charge of HR, so that's oh, HR, God, <laughs> HR, dude. <laughs> Managing people is an art. So what is what is something that you do to keep like like our company culture just flowing and going right? I think it's many different aspects of it. The first part is intuition when it comes to hiring people because I have a pretty good sense of someone right when I meet them like within like 10 minutes of talking to them I can know whether or not they'll be a good fit for the company Mm. and so first you have to select the right group of people to come and join the team and the second is you have to know how to cultivate them yeah because we do we're not paying them like you know great salary or anything it's like they're doing they're doing so much for what they're getting paid for but what we give them, I feel like, speaks volume. Mm, yeah. Like what we put into them and what the time and effort that we invest into them, I think is what makes it worth it. Yeah. And that's why we do team activities. Like we take them to the Hollywood Bowl. We take them to concerts. We take them to movies. We take them to rock climbing. Just any activities we could think of that will help us become stronger as a team. Yeah. And then we really, really care about them as people. I mean, we... We do evaluations pretty often where we call, we're not calling them evaluations anymore. Yeah. In a traditional sense, they would be considered evaluations. Uh, it's actually just, we set aside time to talk with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To catch up. Without distractions. Right. So we get to meet up, talk about things, see how they're doing, see how their experiences on the job, see how we can improve. Mm-hmm. Are, there, yeah. are, are there any opinions for that? Uh, and I think they're looking for community. I think they're looking for a, a sense voice, of belonging. A sense of belonging, mm-hmm. a sense of voice to be heard. The the pay isn't as significant as most people think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because number one, it's food. So it's going to be either one of your first five jobs, right? And mm-hmm. you're not expecting to live off of the salary. You're not expecting a $60,000 salary from working at a restaurant. Yeah. And so 
for most of them, they're looking for community. And if, if other restaurant owners can provide that, then that means a lot to them. Yeah, yeah more they just than, want to feel cared for. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Like they want to feel like we really care about their well being, which we do. Yeah. And we show that by being there for them through all the ups and downs. I have my team that come to me often and say, This is happening in my personal life. This is happening with my family. This is happening in my relationships. What can I do? Damn. So I'm pretty much their therapist. That's so nice. But I love doing that because I see how they grow. I see how they evolve into the person that they are today. Yeah. And it's because we've been pushing them every step of the way. We've been there for them. We've been there. We pretty much have been their second parents. Yeah. I mean, that's what some of them tell us. Because mm-hmm. that's crazy because, you know, for me, I mean, I'm you know, when you guys were whatever part-time jobs before, I like I never got that. Like I right. never got yeah. that. You know, we mm-hmm. would come in, we clock in, we clock out, and if there was a girl that I liked there, I'd fucking flirt with her and maybe get fired for it <laughs> later on. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's yeah. you know, that type of shit, right? Yeah, but yeah. there wasn't this 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 feeling where I felt except for one guy, and he's actually I used to work at the the men's warehouse and he was my manager. We still talk and hang out to till this day. Nice. And um I think like those type of like relationships are so hard to find, especially at a part time job, because these jobs are supposed to be very fleeting, right? Right. Like you come in, you get your paycheck, you move right. out. Right. I think the great thing is that you guys actually take the time to develop these people as human beings. Because one of the things that I found very difficult, um, specifically when people, when I used to have a bigger team, people would kind of, my thing is that like this, if you, even if it's a part-time job, you work that part-time job like it's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. You're right. So right. we, like I would always expect people to put their best foot forward no matter what. It doesn't matter. Like, cause it's, it's a precursor and an example of what you're going to do later on in your future job. Yes. Because right. there's no such thing as, I'll do this part-time job half-ass and I'm a kick-ass at my other job. Right. Yeah, you don't. Because by the time you're done with that part-time job, you've already built those bad habits. Yeah. And they stick with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what people don't understand in that hiring process too. Like I, I think some, some of my friends, when they hire uh, some of their employees for their businesses, they don't understand like, well, how did this person who I thought seemingly was supposed to be great turns out to be so bad? Mm-hmm. I was like, no, well, there was a lot of bad habits that they had. You just said it was a part-time job and you let it go. But those bad habits develop into permanent habits. Easy. Because mm-hmm. yep. it's repetitious. Anything that you do, whether you're developing a great quality or a bad quality, repetitions make sure that it stays in place. Yeah. Right. So when somebody doesn't do something and you let it slide, they'll do it again. And again and again. Right. To me too. Like you have any idea how many times? So you know when you went to Splash Mountain, right? <laughs> Where so, I choked you? Yeah, this bitch. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, going down Splash Mountain. We're supposed to have fun. Everybody has their hands up. We see this picture. I see. I feel hands around my throat. I'm like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> but <laughs> I was trying to hold on to something, and and you held on to my neck fat. <laughs> my God, that's where she felt safe. Yeah. <laughs> But like, so for example, like when Mariel and I moved in together, right? She, <laughs> so after the splash, so the reason why Mariel decided to go on Splash Mountain was because I promised that every time I use my bathroom, which mm-hmm. I call it my safe space, mm-hmm. my man cave, that I would leave the, the toilet seat down and the top lid down. So because that's not an ingrained habit, I haven't really been doing it. Oh, shit. But she hasn't seen it though. Right, so she hasn't been. Wait, in- but I just used your bathroom and you put the seat down. Yeah, but she's not here to witness it, so that's just your story. All right, uh. I could. It's your story versus mine. All right, <laughs> so <laughs> I just know that whenever I hear her, the she's coming in through the door, I just run into my bathroom. I'm like, and oh, down. shit, boom! And she goes, "You just put the toilet seat down." I was like, "You ain't got proof, bitch." <laughs> you ain't got proof. Well, she's installed a camera in the bathroom. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it's really normal though, because I, I think it takes time to build a habit, oh, whether, yes, whether a good or bad one. Twenty-one yeah. days. Twenty-one days at minimum for it to start taking 
and then 90 days for it to stick. So Jesus. if you're doing anything for three months straight, it's going to start sticking. Yeah. And it might be permanent. <sighs> or it might take just as long to undo or even longer. You just have to do it for three months. Yeah, you oh just have God, to do it for three man. months. Like, I just think it's so dumb. It's so much extra work. It's my bathroom. Let me pee and poo wherever I want, <laughs> damn it. And then when people come in, it's, it'll be clean. All right? Don't don't worry about it. But for her, she's just like, she looks at like the microscopic details, right? She's just like, this is dirty. Look at that. What have you done? Like, even this place right now, it's pretty clean. It's my, clean. Pretty, right? it's clean. It's really clean. This is not clean to her. What? This is not clean to her. You see that tray with all that stuff Oh, yeah. Inside she it? told us about that tray oh, that yeah, you have. Oh, yeah. That's your yeah. tray, right? It's where you put everything in. Yep. That's my chaos tray, right? <laughs> so I, I I, will have certain amount of clutter, but I will have it in a designated area. And that's what that damn tray is for. So for that, she hates that. There's like a couple boxes right there. That's unacceptable to her. So we gotta, I think it looks clean to me. It's pretty clean. That's, but that's what I'm saying, though, right? So what I always tell her is that you have no idea how clean I am as a person. I was like, you are the unreasonable one. Because everybody who walks into this place, they go, this place is pretty clean, right? But to her, she just goes, look at this. Look at that. And I don't get it. I don't get it. Does I think she do this to the countertop and then like at her? Oh, she's finger. she gets that though the white glove like a drill sergeant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. She the gets the black light and. Yep, she sees all the stains <laughs> and she goes, "You masturbated a lot today, didn't you?" I can see all the stains everywhere. Look at this shit. <laughs> so, when you guys, oh, what I didn't know, actually, I found out about this through Joe a while back. So, you guys actually have another functioning business. Mm-hmm. Out, we do outside of uh, sip. Chichi Dango and Shrimp Daddy. That's correct. Right? Yeah. What is that? That was the first business we started together. Yeah. It's a it's a photo booth business in New York City. And it's still running today. And I think that's where we learned a lot of fundamentals because uh it's still running. Mm-hmm. We we had to make a decision one day and we're like, okay, if we move back to LA, what do we do with the business? Yeah. Everyone was like, you can't run a business from across the country. Yeah. You can't. You just simply can't. It's not going to survive. And that was 2013. Oh, shit. Wait, how are you guys running the business room? Our computer. Oh, computer. You guys are doing anything remotely. And mm-hmm. cell phone. So most mm-hmm. people, while most people see a laptop for browsing the internet. Yeah. And a cell phone for, for surfing Instagram. It, it actually can change your life, right? This little device <laughs> can change your life. And so that's what we learned. And I think it was it's it's a couple of things. I think we're lucky enough to have the tech to support it. Yeah. If this was twenty years ago, no way our parents could have done this. Yeah. There's no way you could run run a remote business twenty years ago. Yeah. But now you ha- you have the technology to do it. You just need then I guess the infrastructure or, or the, the, the the team. The team, the human resources to support that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we don't meet these team members every day and talk to them on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and or at least face to face, everything is done through text and a phone and, call. An email or a quick phone call. Mm-hmm. And so it's even harder to create that culture when there's no face to face. Real it's a lot harder. Yeah. And I think it's a, I mean, if we're being honest, it's a little less enjoyable too on our side because we love the face to face interaction. There's less of a connection. Right. Mm. But we try to make it work. And I think because we try to make it work and, and it's been working for six years is how we learn how to create a better dynamic in person. Yeah. So when you, so are you guys like, I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? If you weren't doing all of our food businesses, right, with all of us together. Yeah. Mm. You guys are like kind of like, that's like semi-retirement, right? Like if you just kind of like 
remotely do things. Mm-hmm. It it offers a lot of flexibility. Yeah, yeah. So you could. I could travel. Travel. You could. I mean, you could if you could do it across the country, then you could do it anywhere in the world. Yeah. It just gets a little more inconvenient with the time zone situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we we've lived in China too, so we were able to make it work. Yeah, Damn, that's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. That's fucking insane. You stupid son of a bitches. Huh? <laughs> Look at that. Because yeah. I think that's the hard part. It's like I'm I'm so used to so many hands-on things, right? So when, when I saw my parents own a business, they were hands-on about yeah. everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when people, you kind of get stuck in that that type of system, right? Where you feel like you can't let go of certain right. things. Right? Right. You can't allow people to do stuff that you feel like it's something that only you can do. You feel like you have to be in control mm-hmm. of the business. Yeah. I think it's control. I think it comes from a place of insecurity. Mm-hmm. What if they don't do it as well as I can. Yeah. And therefore you time travel in two years, the business might not do well in three years. We might go belly up. Yeah. So you, you kind of project these things onto the business that don't even exist yet instead of dealing with the now. Yeah. Like let's figure out right now how we can move back to LA Mm -hmm. and make this work. work. Let's not think about, Oh, what happens a year from now if people start leaving? Let's not let's not get to that point. Let's think about how we fix it now. It was definitely a learning experience though, because when we first started the business in 2010, we were so hands-on. Yeah. Like very we went hands-on. to so we started the photo booth company in 2010. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. And we wanted to be the one to be at every single event with our photo booth to provide the best customer service, provide yeah. an experience, to make sure every single print is printing out beautifully to make sure props are being organized to make sure the client's happy we wanted to do it all so he was working full-time at an engineering firm and doing this and nights and weekends Jesus. so before he probably had like four hours of sleep every night for like over four a hours year was a good night Damn. Mm-hmm. four hours was a good night for so I, I had to biohack and like allow my body to like reach rem quickly what's your <laughs> what's your optimal amount of sleeping time for you Oh, oh, now me? it's like naturally seven, yeah. eight hours. Naturally, eight hours. Damn, that's good, dude. I'll just mm-hmm. wake up. Four, four hours. Four, four hours. hours. For me. Really? Yeah. So any Dang, more than that, like, you you feel like sluggish, or you feel like you over. Like I I sleep average four hours. Oh, that's really? it. Yeah, that's why. That's Do you why take I, naps. I'm, I'm actually 18 years old. So <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you know, technically, that's like all 12. you really need. <laughs> if you have four hours of really good sleep, that's technically all you really need. It's it's hard for me because like I've always like struggled with sleep. I mean, when I get eight hours though, I feel like I'm on steroids. Like I feel fucking fan fucking tastic. Like mm-hmm. the other night, I slept like six or seven. I woke up, I was like, God damn, let's get this going, baby. Like I woke, <laughs> I woke up, I started boxing in the gym before the Muay Thai class, and I felt yeah. fucking fantastic. But for but because I slept so well that day, last night I was too energetic. I couldn't I couldn't go to sleep, so I slept like four hours, and oh. it fucking sucks. Wow. And I worked out twice. Like, I don't... It fucking sucks. I need, like, seven hours, at least. That's why you fucking look like a child, dude. Like, <laughs> Beauty sleep. You look like you rub your face in placenta every night or some shit. <laughs> yep, every night. <laughs> you look so fucking young, dude. <laughs> Everybody looks so fucking young to me. I'm like, God damn it, all you guys age so fucking well, dude. Uh, well, I mean, you don't look that old either. What, what, That's only what, because what, of the clothes I'm wearing, dude. <laughs> it's because I dress like a child. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> it's, it's not really there. 
But it's also because I think all, well, I fucking had better eating habits and everything else too. I started yeah. drinking water. Fuck, man. Fucking drinking water, right? dude. Mm-hmm. That helps out a lot. It does. Yeah. I had no clue. Our Asian parents have been telling us that our whole lives. She, dude, my mom doesn't drink water at all, dude. Oh, really? This bitch, she refuses to drink water. Like when we go out to eat, I have to sit there. And then force her to drink water. She, she's such a fucking child. This woman's like 70 years old. She gets a cup, right? She goes, look, I drank. <laughs> she just like puts the fucking water to her lips. Yeah. I'm like, drink your fucking water That's right like now. my dad. He doesn't drink anything besides juice or coffee or tea. Oh my God. That's my mom too. She, just coffee. She goes, coffee is water. I was like, no, it's not. It has caffeine. It dehydrates you, woman. She's like, that doesn't happen, dude. <laughs> that doesn't really exist. But she refuses to drink water. I don't I don't fucking understand to this day. She just Some doesn't. people can do it without, yeah. I drink warm water. I love warm water. Warm? What the fuck? <laughs> are you a serial killer? Why do you drink warm water? It's good for your body. Oh, God, that's girl, dude. <laughs> you know, if, if you guys ever follow her, dude, just know that you'll see some hokey pokey Asian remedies. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, she's serious, though. It could be 90 degrees outside and yep. she's going to get hot water with lemon. Chrysanthemum. Yep. That's you her. like hot fucking water? I cannot hot. stand hot water, dude. That's her jam. Like she if, loves it. If it's tea, if it's coffee, I get it. Hot chocolate, lovely. Water? When you wake up in the morning, drink a warm cup of water. That shit better give it's me a six gonna... pack. <laughs> if it's not going to give me a six pack and a larger penis, I don't want to do it. <laughs> what the fuck? How long have you been doing that for? Oh, man. Maybe like it's 10 years. You ever noticed? The bottle, her water bottle is actually like a thermos, like those Japanese thermos bottles. Well, I thought that was because you're trying to keep it cold, so it's to keep it warm. <laughs> I'm keeping it warm. Yeah. Oh my god! You know what? Lukewarm best. water is the perfect temperature for bacteria. You are a living bacteria. <laughs> how fucking dare you? Why Wait, how you... can bacteria survive in hot water? Is it hot water or is it lukewarm water? It's pretty hot. What in the fuck? How it, do you drink that shit? You know what? That's true though. Now that I think about it, that is true. Do I have bacteria in my water? Should I be drinking cold water? Well, it should be above. 130 degrees. You're fucking crazy. Why would you drink hot water? Like so you must hate water. that water. And I'm trying to warm it up in my mouth before I drink yeah, it. Yeah, that's why she, yeah, <laughs> she keeps it in her mouth for a while. Because mm-hmm. fu- it's got to get to body temp before it gets to the stomach. I will boil that shit to an oblivion next time for you, dude. That shit just going to be steam coming out. <laughs> right when you got the cold water, you were just like, oh, God, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Fucking cold water bastard trying to kill me. What the hell? That's the weird. What else do you do? That's so fucking weird. Um... Hot showers. Well, or, I take hot showers all the time. I like really, really hot showers. Well, I, I think a it's lot like of, a sauna. Oh god! I think a lot of these things that you do, mm-hmm. they they all came about when we um, started trying for a baby. Started, started trying. Mm. Yep. There's a lot of weird stuff we started. Oh yeah. After we started trying. Mm-hmm. You know that whole process, especially for you guys, like the, it's it's so interesting because like. I've never seen somebody try so hard to have a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like for you guys, there are other options, but having your own child just in, from that means is so important to you. And why, why is that? I think for me, it's like you ever feel like you're in this world for a reason? Like there's your purpose, your calling. Mm. I feel like my purpose has always been to be a mom. Mm. So growing up, I knew I wanted to be a mom. I knew I wanted to have two to three kids. I wanted to raise good human beings that would do good in this world. Yeah. I don't know why. I just It was like my calling. And so when we first started trying, I was like, it has to happen. Being the control freak that I am, I was like, it has to happen immediately. It has to happen on this timeline. 
in this year, they have to be born at this month, so they'll have this mm. horoscope sign. Like I was mm. trying to control it all. So when it wasn't happening over and over again, it, it was like definitely a humbling experience to have to. Well, I, th I think it started the the control factor started oh, yeah. before because you're also thinking we're not ready yet. Mm -hmm. We have to get to a certain point in our lives where we feel like we're ready. Mm -hmm. Everything is set up. And mm -hmm. it was with the, the other business where we felt like, okay, everything piece. is remote now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can spend time with the kids. Mm -hmm. These are the imaginary kids that we were trying to project and, yeah. and plan for. And then it's like, okay, now we're ready. Why isn't it happening? Yeah. Yeah. Like we did everything by the book. We wanted to have a stable job we wanted to have enough income to have security and have a house have the relationship the marriage that we have and the support system that we have and everything was ready and then we're like okay where's the baby yeah when is the baby coming yeah so what what is the what's the ivf process like because that's what you guys are doing right yes ivf is in simple terms having a baby through science okay so it's called in vitro fertilization it's a uh, process of injecting myself with a lot of shots to give me hormones to grow my eggs. Farming. Farming mm, oh, in my really uterus. Like farming, farming, the farming, farming her eggs. So, so every month you have you release a, an a, an egg, but when you do shots, you farm like ten, twenty, thirty eggs. Yeah. So the ovaries usually this big. Mm -hmm. They become when like this big. She, uh, she's farming. They grow to the size of a grapefruit. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, because one yeah. egg could fit in this, right? Like a ping pong. Yeah. Imagine then you have 15 eggs because you have two ovaries, 15 yeah. eggs on each side. Mm -hmm. And so each ovary, she was wearing my pants at one point. Yeah, I couldn't fit into my own clothes. I looked what? like I was pregnant, but I wasn't. Yeah, that's how big her ovaries like got. Mm -hmm. Holy fucking shit. And then shit. you go under anesthesia and then they surgically remove the eggs and then they put it in, into a Petri dish with his sperm. And they try to grow in them into embryos. And then when they grow into embryos, you have to wait for day three, day five, and see their viable embryos. And then you transfer it back into me in hopes of implanting. And then you grow a human being. Yeah. That's God. the concise fucking version. Jesus, that's fucking crazy. In my mind, I didn't know that it expanded or anything like that. I just thought it was like a little egg, like a little little salmon roe. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? You pop it up. It, it is. It is. Because I think at maturity, it's like 20 centimeters. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something, my bad. 20 millimeters. Yeah. 20, 20 mm -hmm. centimeters is like that. Dang. 20 millimeters. And so, yeah, maturity, they're, they're, they're like little salmon eggs. So imagine you have 30 of them. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! Right, that's it gets pretty big. That that surgical process is that very painful? You don't really feel anything. You just go under. But we had a really bad experience the first time. I almost died. Really? I almost died. What in the fuck? What happened? Was well, she? You can tell the story because I wasn't in the room with her. I think I would. You son like, of a bitch! I would have flipped out. They didn't let me in there. <laughs> I was yeah. in the waiting room outside. Okay. <laughs> I think I would have overreacted for sure, though. So they put me under. Well, before they put me under, the doctor was like, how is your alcohol tolerance? And I was like, I think it's pretty good because I think I'm like my dad. Like I could drink a lot without getting drunk. So mm -hmm. I was like, I think it's pretty good. So she gave me. But I was like, but I haven't drank in a while, so I'm not sure. And then she gave me a huge dose of what do you call it? I think it's Prop of something. Prop of it's some kind of 
Some drug. Some drug yeah. to make me go under, but it was so strong that my heart stopped beating. And so you hear yourself flatline. And then I see, I hear the doctor shaking me and saying, breathe, 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 wake up, wake up, breathe, breathe. And I was like, like my li- life just flashed before my eyes. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to fucking die. Yeah. And then she was like shaking me, shaking me. And I was like trying so hard to force myself to breathe. And then I suddenly started breathing again and I could hear my heart beat again. And then after that, she's like, okay, I'm not going to give you any more drugs. We're just going to start the retrieval process. And I was awake the entire time. So I like, Uh I felt like pressure. I felt like really uncomfortable. And then that retrieval was actually very difficult because they didn't retrieve any eggs successfully. So it was a bust. So I went through all that just to get nothing at the end. And then when I came out to the waiting room and the doctor told me that I, she didn't get anything and that it was a failed retrieval, like I just burst into tears and I was just like why does this keep happening to us and I told him about what happened and he was furious and he's like thinking about suing her he's thinking about taking action he's thinking about so many things that could have gone wrong and he that was when we were like maybe we should take a break because he told me he's like I don't want to lose you in this process of trying to have a baby yeah so that kind of hit me and I was like that's true like I don't want our marriage to be you know, the, in the place where he was and going through all this and then risking my life to try to have this baby. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing because you're, it's like this thing that you're trying to work towards, but at the same time, you don't want to work towards. Yeah, because the, there's the such risk, a high risk yeah, involved. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate price to pay. Like, it, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? And, and And I think at the time I was so furious, but at the same time it was like, she wasn't ready to fight. Yeah. Cause like she was devastated after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, wow, but I want to, I want to do something about this situation. But she was like, she just feels so shitty and, and she wants to like, just move on. Isolate herself. And like, mm-hmm. and she, it's just, it's this weird balance. It's, it's, it wasn't like we were in sync at that time uh, because she just gone through what she's been through. And it's, it's not only that, it's like the hormones, too, that you have to inject yourself with. They make you crazy. Crazy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Just imagine PMS every month. I don't know if Mariel has PMS and she's... Oh, kidding. she does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she really does. Just imagine what she goes through every month at the worst time and like 10 times that. Oh, man. That's how just It's not that straightforward, too. It's like... All right. So like when we were in China, I remember this vividly. Because, you know, it's that time of month. Yeah. She's she's counting the days. She's she's timing the window. And, yeah, it becomes and, very romantic. And it's time, right? And all right, one, one thing about that, I think nobody wants to get here in their marriage where it's like, oh, it feels like routine now. It feels it's like it's planned. It feels like, oh, right now it's optimal. So now we got to do it. doesn't matter what we're doing. We got to do this. Yeah. And so in China, there was this one moment where she was taking some medication for it and it's the weirdest thing because she's like she's like in the mood mm. but she's also in the mood to kill me <laughs> you, know? you know so she's like me now before i kill you wait what <laughs> yeah so she's just like hey it's time and then oh and, and at this time we were like saying, he's lying king yeah. like, it is time yeah exactly like rafiki over here <laughs> And then we we were at her parents' place, so she's like, "You got you get quiet though, 
And so her parents are like right next door <laughs> in the other room. The and then, so, you know, cool. Like we're trying and we're trying. And it's like sh- she crosses over from in the mood to I want to kill you now. Because like, you were taking too taking long. So long. You know? So. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking funny. So as we were doing it, she's like, what's taking so long? And then just, I was like, I, I can't go any faster. Like, I have to be quiet. I, you know, I'm it conscious about that. Friction, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand where I'm trying to fuck you at like a fucking half a mile an hour? What are yeah. you talking about? And then on the top of that, it's like, it's not our bed because I'm not used to knowing where it squeaks and where it doesn't. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I'm like conscious about that too. And then she's like, hurry up. Oh, yeah, that's going to make him come. God, <laughs> God, Anna, what the fuck? Because not only that, it was late. So we had pl- stuff planned the next day. And it was like, oh, damn. I can't just hurry up. I can't just, <laughs> and like, I was giving you the in. look. Yeah, and like the death stare yep. wasn't helping either. And he's just going limp. He's like, yeah. don't you fucking dare get soft. Yeah. You better keep that shit rock hard yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was like one of my memories, like first memories of, of us trying and, and trying to do it abroad and, in China, because we we saw the doctor here, but we brought the medicine with us, and yeah, it's just I, you know. How those... can you threaten him and fuck him at the same time <laughs> and expect him to still <laughs> it's be a turned love on? And hate relationship. It's like listen, it you're like enjoying it. All of a sudden, you're just like, okay, yep. <laughs> I'm trying to have a fucking baby. What the yeah. hell, dude? Yep. <laughs> Hurry the fuck up! I'm like, we're not gonna make a baby. You don't come. Well, that's you just have to make it happen. It wasn't like well, it was it's hard, hard to th- fuck somebody who's angry at them just like staring at them with fucking anger and shit you're not even blinking like bitch blink god damn it it wasn't like it was an hour later it went from like it's i don't like know you usually come in a minute what the fuck? <laughs> a minute 20 yeah, so it was a, a minute 20 a minute, it was like oh no it's over a minute yeah a minute 25 speed it up all you had to do was just fucking give him a hand up and right before you stick it right in real quick yeah. just go 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 <laughs> so maybe that would have worked better yeah that's yep. so much pressure. It's like holy shit, dude. Like I, I would just, I would just be clammy the whole time. It's like I don't know what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're thinking that, and yeah, it's like all the excitement leaves the room, and then you're like, because the moment like Mariel, like let's see, Mariel gets angry at me, all sex drive gone. Like, yeah, you are disgusting to me. <laughs> like I'm like, you get the fuck away from me. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, sex drives out the window. Yeah, just like she's just like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, look at that. Suddenly you're a dude. <laughs> That's crazy. That's insane. You're a magician. You turn yourself into a man. Like get the fuck away from me, lady. You do get a lot of pressure though. Yeah, I so, mean it's it's hard. I think like I think like the maybe the difficult part, especially for you, is you know that situation where you see your wife almost pass away just because of you know it's like you're almost. You're giving life to take a life, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and pretty much. It, it sucks because you see her going through this process, and it's also something. It's also a cross that you can't bear for her, right? So you just have to sit on the sideline. Well, it's it's tough too because I think it's we're on different pages. She's willing to do that, yeah, to trade a life for a life. Yeah, my my perspective is we existed before this baby is yeah. even in the picture. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm willing to trade off and lose you to have a baby yeah because we have this conversation pretty often he'll ask me are you willing to risk your life for this to have this baby yeah and i always say yes because in order to go through ivf to put yourself through that emotional and physical pain you have to want it that badly yeah the risks are high for sure it's not for everyone Mm -hmm. because that's such a man that's something to think i didn't even think about it like that because 
I guess like I would be in your situation too, where I, I'm like him. Like mm-hmm. if I had to lose, like I already told Mario, I was like, listen, there's a, there's a couple of options in this world. Do you leave me? I'm killing myself. You die, I'm killing myself. Because I can't start this all over again. <laughs> like, we've yeah. done this for five years. Like, are you fucking crazy? Like, I'm not going to find somebody else. Like, I even mentioned this to her too. I was like, hey, if I died, would you would you get with somebody else? What did she say? And she goes, well, I don't know. Like, that's the future. I'm like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> like, Where is your loyalty? I was like, if you died, I would just stay single for the rest of my life. It's just too hard for me. It's just too hard for me to reverse yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, at a certain point, it, it does seem like it's just too much. To go yeah, again. like I rather because I was fine being by myself before her, and she was the bonus in my life, so I mm-hmm. could go back to being by myself. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's completely okay. I don't need to attach myself emotionally to somebody else and go through the learning process all over again. Like if you die, I'm done, bitch. Like <laughs> this is it. <laughs> like I, I might date, flirt around, fuck around a little bit, but other than that. They're not coming to my house. Like this is still it, to me. It would be still this is still our house, right? Yeah. And we, would they be okay? Like I'm married to somebody else, and I visit your fucking grave every year. You know what I mean? Would they be okay with that shit? Because that's going to be a little odd for me. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do. I think I would be like you. It would be hard because it's to say there's this, this huge risk that I would lose you, right? It's like okay, is that worth it for me? Because they're all right. in my mind. I'm like there's other options albeit it's not the same as like having your own child right? mm-hmm. i think like when people are set on having their own child there's just mm-hmm. like this emotional attachment and feeling that there's that that comes with it right and it's something that you're gonna have to learn either to let go of that to mm-hmm. be able to to instill like this motherly love into this other child and if you're okay with that then it works out but if not then it's hard right i think that motherly love right now i'm giving it to my team yeah so that's kind of like my outlet right now where i feel like i could be a good mother figure to my team but we have this conversation pretty often where he'll ask me, like, if we're going through this again, like, are you ready to go through all that physical and emotional pain? And I always say yes. And then I'll ask him, like, can you support me through it? Because this is the difference. Like, when he sees me go through all this pain, he doesn't want me to do it anymore. Like, we, he said so many times, can we just give up? Can we just stop trying? Can we just give up on the notion of becoming parents one day? Can we just move on to adoption? Adoption is something that we're definitely open to. We've talked about this many times where we're definitely open to adoption one day. But it's just I want to try to have a little baby Anna and baby Jeremy right now. And I know that if I don't give it my all in the next few years, I'm going to get to that age where I might be too old to have my own biological children. And I know that if I don't do it now, I might regret it one day. So that's like pushing me through and that's make that's pushing me forward and say, I'm giving another shot. I'm going to have the courage to go through it again and again and again. Yeah. But for him, he sees the pain that I'm going through and he's like, please just give up. Like, I don't want to see you suffer more. Yeah. So we're always like having this battle where I'm like, please just support me. I want you to just tell me I can do this. I can do this. But he's like, but I don't want to see you in so much pain. I think number one, it's something that we don't recommend to everyone. It's not something to say, hey, if you're having trouble, try IVF. It's great. Mm -mm. It's not great. Uh, Number two, it's timing, right? Mm. It's as a couple, we we can have different timing. Mm -hmm. Like you're ready to go through it. I might not be ready. Mm. If I'm for it, you might not be ready. And so that has to be aligned too. And then on top of that, the risks are different for you and Mm -hmm. and for me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like what we are putting in the pot is different that's true the, the way you see it is you're you're after something and you're willing to risk whatever it is what whether it's financial because it costs a lot number one. Oh yeah it costs a lot 
Um, how much does it cost on average? 40 to 50K. Every time? For one retrieval. Son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> it's a lot of money. It's we, fucking we, baby. We've definitely yeah. spent around like 150 on it. Yeah. Holy shit. And mm-hmm. it's a lot. So that number one is is one one thing to consider. Whether it's emotional or not, that's you have to consider the financial stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the financial side, there's the timing. And you're you're committing something different to the pot. I'm committing something different to the pot. And then that has to be aligned because if you're not, it causes friction. Yeah. Right? Like she might not feel like she's supported. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm being heard with what's really happening. Right. I might not be ready to think like, oh, am I ready to see you or hear about you flatlining again? Or giving me injection. Oh, that's a different thing too. I have to become a nurse mm-hmm. and like stick her with a needle every day, multiple oh, times a day. And then not not just that, one time I I hit her sciatica and she Ooh. fell over like a oh tree, like like you know, timber. Like she fell so over. Painful. She was standing there. I hit the nerve and she just went and like fell over on the bed and like burst in tears. Oh and like, shit! So a lot and then she of... was like, "Let's fuck now." <laughs> it's like, no, bitch, it's not how it works. I'm not in the mood. No, you hit my sciatic. I just fuck you right now. Yeah, like, a minute top. Yeah. <laughs> just do it in a minute. Okay. No, no. While, while it you're puts crying. you through all the emotions. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's weird because I think, like how I see it now, it's like, oh shit, you, you both of you actually have big picture thoughts, but they're two different big picture thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're thinking, it can be. Yeah. Your your big picture is like at the end of the day, like we are important and risking your life is not worth it. But your big picture thing is like, I'm going to live with this regret for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys find that medium? Like, I don't, I think that's hard. Like I can't, I'm trying to wrap my head around it right now. And I don't know where that medium is. Like what, how? It, we just constantly talk about it. And then I think for me, it's, I have to work up the courage to be like, okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I think she's usually ready. Cause she'll tell me, she's like, okay, I think I'm emotionally ready now. And then it's kind of like at that moment, I'm like, wait a second. That's great. Perfect. I'm, I'm happy for you. But I don't think I'm ready. And, and I don't think yeah. it comes out like that every time. Because sometimes I'm just trying to ignore it or, or like put it out of my mind. And so it gets to that point And I'm like, oh, shoot. Now I have to start thinking about it. Am I ready for this again? Mm-hmm. Am I, I think because re- you're the type that when you something's on your mind, you need to process it first. Yeah. You need to come to the decision, the conclusion yourself first in your head before you can talk about it. But for me, I'm like, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? Tell right. me. Tell me now. Tell me now. Right. And then that even adds more pressure. It's like, mm. oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a big thing. I can't just tell you right away if I'm ready. But I think the communication is really important where we have to have these talks often and say, do you feel ready now? Do you think we should wait another month? Do you think we should wait two more months? Do you think we should wait until, you know, the concepts are at this stage or after we move into our new house or after the family visits, like whatever it is. So we have to have that communication constantly to see, to check in on each other and see how we're doing emotionally. So what's, what's, I guess for you then, what is your, I'm done with this now and I'm going to try other options. Like what's, what's going to be the thing for you? I don't know. That's a really good question because I'm not the type to give up easily. Like I'm very stubborn when I want something, mm-hmm. whether it's work with eating, you know, eating food that I love, like whatever it is, I just need to have it. And I will keep trying until I get there. Yeah, I think it's good when it comes to business where I feel like I could 
give it my all and I could keep trying and trying and trying and I won't take no for an answer. But when it comes to infertility, it's, it's really a humbling experience because you have to think about why do you want it so badly? And what if you can never have it ever? Yeah. But then my inside voice is always, I need to keep going. I need to keep trying. Yeah. And if, if I never become a parent, I think we'll definitely adopt but before I get there, I just want to give it my all. And I just want to know that I gave it my all. And there's this picture that I look at pretty often. Um, it's from this woman who did IVF like 12 times. And God damn. she has this, a lot of fucking money. Oh, yeah. She has this blog that talks about all the pain that she went through and that she ended up with a beautiful baby girl. And the baby girl told her one day when she was like a little older and she's like, Thank you for never giving up on me. Yeah. And that like brings me to tears every single time because I feel like I'm doing this for a future child. And I want them to tell me one day, like, thank you for bringing me into this world and to never give up on me. I think the interesting thing about that is like, I guess like for adoption for me, because I actually want to adopt. I actually want to adopt really bad. Mariel, we actually had this conversation. She goes, I'm not sure yet. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I want to adopt is actually for that same very reason. Because for you... When you talk about bringing a child to this world and having that child look at you and say, thank you for bringing me to this world. For me, for adoption, some of these kids didn't have that opportunity. And they actually get to say the same thing to you where it's like, I wasn't asked to be brought to this world, but you gave me a second chance. That's why mm -hmm. adoption to me is so fucking important because mm -hmm. my parents wanted to adopt originally. But mm -hmm. obviously they got a little older and obviously it's because they kind of missed having kids around in the house. But that's the same reason why I would want to adopt. Like for me, it's... I mean, for her, I mean, we actually talked about this yesterday. She goes, mm -hmm. she asked me why I was so certain about it. It's because of that reason. It's because I just, I just don't like the fact that there's a kid out there that wasn't allowed to live. Mm. You know, uh, you know, you, you, they're kind of predestined to fail, right? So they're kind of born into this world without even being asked. Mm -hmm. right. And so for me, like adoption is, is that same type of beauty, right? So I don't know, maybe if you'll see that, that same type of connection with mm -hmm. that. And I've, I, have a, I have a friend right now who she adopted. And she mm -hmm. has that type of connection with their child too, because, mm -hmm. you know, we're, it's that, that second chance for people is so important for me because like, I, you know, I feel like all of us had our personal stories where we got our own second chances. Right. Right. But we were fortunate enough to have parents around to really help and guide us and help us be the people that we are today. Mm -hmm. And so when I see these kids who don't have that opportunity, I want to do that for them. And also too, like I say, Mariel has a kid, like we have our own kid. Right. And then she's like i don't want to have a second kid because i don't want to go through the whole labor process i would adopt in a second mm. but then again that's probably because i already had my own kid mm. <laughs> you know so there's just a lot to think about that and i think it's sometimes it's hard for you because you hear those personal stories and it starts to it makes you want you want to be the exception to the rule right right mm. so i think that's why i bring up like for you when is enough going to be enough mm. that's a great question she's a fighter i I don't know yeah. if I can answer that too, because I, I don't think there's an end inside. I don't like even for us, we don't feel like we are our age, right? So, how do you know and set a a limit? Before yeah, like, we first like when start, I reach a certain age, right. then that, that's when I'll stop. Before we first started trying, maybe like two years in, we said by the time we're thirty five, and if we're not pregnant yet, let's adopt. Yeah. And I just turned thirty five this year. And then I was thinking about it recently and I said to myself, am I ready for adoption yet? And the answer was not yet. Yeah. 
I watch adoption videos pretty often on YouTube. They're like the most emotional videos I've ever seen. I cry every single time. Yeah. Um, I know that when we are ready for adoption, we're definitely open to it. And my mom actually put me on a list to adopt from a church in Taiwan. Oh, wow. She did this in the beginning of the year. So it's a long waiting list, but we're definitely on that list. Yeah. So I, my family knows that we're open to adoption. Like they're looking around, like they're asking places in China. So adopting from China used to be really easy. Yeah. When they had the one child policy, there were many, many girls, baby girls that needed to be adopted. Yeah. But ever since I changed that policy and ever since they changed their adoption policy overall, it's been really hard to adopt from China. Yeah. So we looked into it a couple years back. Um, we even looked into open adoption, closed adoption. There's many different forms of it. Um, open is when the birth mother would choose you as the parent. Yeah. And we actually like that more because we want the child to know, you know, where they came from, to know where their family, you know, if they want to rekindle with their parents one day, we're completely yeah, supportive yeah. of it. We're open to it. Um, but I think at this stage of our life right now, we want to try a little more to have our own biological children. Yeah. But we would definitely be open to adoption one day. The time's yeah, right. Yeah, because that, that, that time restraint is... It's hard, right? right? So it's like, yeah, when do you say is enough? Like, how do you, when do you feel, like, for example, like when people say, like, how do you feel your age? Like, right. I had, like I just had this, like, I just did that, you know, proposal video. Mm -hmm. And then somebody right. messaged it's me. It's so emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I hate watching that video. That shit makes me tear up. But they, uh, somebody wrote to me, and even this was kind of weird. They didn't mean anything by it, but I have a lot of friends who say this from back at home. Mm -hmm. They go, oh, you're going to get married now. It's mm -hmm. like, you're, you're old now. And I'm like, no, you're old, bitch. <laughs> I, mean, I ain't old. You're fucking old. Like, what, is, what is this? What is this? You're old type of thing. You know what I mean? Right. And that 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 part's a little weird, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I never feel, I still feel like I'm a child. And the only thing that keeps me grounded enough to know that I'm getting old is when I look at my parents. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Other than that, mm -hmm. I feel like a kid. Yeah. You know, because I look at my parents, I'm like, oh shit, they're old. You know what I mean? I'm mm -hmm. like, that means I'm old, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I still call my mom, dad. I call, you know, mom and dad in Korean. And in the way I say it is even, even child, I say, oh man, appa. Mm -hmm. And when you get older, you call omonim and abonim, which is like more traditional older mm. shit i call yeah. my basically i'm calling my parents mommy and daddy <laughs> you know what i mean i call I, my parents mommy and daddy <laughs> yeah as, a, as an adult right, right. And so i guess like in your case it's like that is really something to think about i think turning 35 this year was really hard for me because you kind of set that time limit to yourself i set the time limit and because when you're 35 as a woman you, you're categorized in the i don't know what they call it like the old age well, it's statistically, maternity statistically with age and then also statistically with uh, fertility yeah uh it, it's in a category that it's on the decline now mm -hmm. yeah you know and i don't know what that study shows i don't know how they gather that data was it from back in the day when people were only living till 60 or was mm -hmm. it done recently where people are now living to my to 100? my my best friend is a is a physician um he told me that it is based on stuff from back in the day, right? So mm -hmm. when, when I guess like when the eggs are like perfect, it's te technically when, you know, a girl hits puberty. Like mm -hmm. that's when it's like fresh as fuck, right. right? But he was telling me like into your mid-30s, a little bit later, it's still fine. Mm -hmm. Like he said, it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. That's what he told me because like, you know, he's, he's just recent. He is about to wrap up in like the next few months, but I'm guessing like, his knowledge is a little bit more current. So, <laughs> but that's what he told me anyways. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's something to think about. Isn't it nice to have a best friend that's a doctor? Yeah, but he's a dumbass though. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a, I'm a fucking doctor. He's a full, full fledged on idiot. Like he's, I'm surprised he's a doctor to be honest with you. Like it's it's weird because even when I talk to him, I go, I even said to him on the phone, I was like, "You're a fucking doctor, dude. That's so." The education system has failed us. <laughs> I was like, How the fuck are you a doctor, dude? Because he's me. Just a black dude. <laughs> he just happens to be a physician. And we always say, like, the funny thing about us is that we kind of break stereotypes. Like, he's a black dude that became a doctor, and I'm the Asian dude that became a comedian. Right. <laughs> so we kind of, like, yeah. fucked it around and flipped it up. But, damn. Like, the whole IVF process, I I kind of hear about it, but you don't realize how difficult it is. Because I just think, like, mm-hmm. oh, you just pop the baby in, make it a Petri dish, boom, bang, boom, boom. You got a fucking baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think up to the Petri dish is manageable yeah. for, for what we've learned. Mm-hmm. But then I think where our troubles are is implantation. Mm-hmm. Now you got to transfer it from the dish back into the, the uterus and then hopefully oh, it sticks. It sticks. Mm-hmm. And it did stick once. It, it did stick once uh, mm-hmm. for us. So we know it's possible. Is there a higher chance? Is, is, is that like something that's, I don't say wrong, but is there something inhospitable about your uterus or is there a way to find a surrogate mother to do that and it'll be a higher chance for that for that egg to survive we thought about that too um because the last time we did get pregnant and we had a miscarriage the doctor was thinking maybe it's because my uterus is too angry Mm. so it attacks whatever it comes in whatever that comes in that's foreign so they're saying maybe you should just hire a surrogate to carry your child to full term. Um, so we looked into it last end of last year too when we had the miscarriage, and we're open to it as well. But to get a surrogate, it's like one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, because you have to carry that baby, huh? Mm-hmm. You're essentially hiring them for the year. Yeah. And oh, because yeah, because they're just gonna they be, can't work, right? Damn, that's so fucking crazy. you got to pay them a salary. You have to pay for lawyer fees, ton of legal fees. Then they're insurance. Then you have to pay their. It's a special insurance. You have to buy them too. Dude, your future kid either better be in the NBA, a lawyer, a doctor, or a really successful comedian. Because at this point, dude, this motherfucker costing hell of money, dude. Like, oh my god! Before birth. Before birth. Like just right when my kid turns one, I would just beat his ass for all the fucking pain he put me through. It's like, what are you beating me for? It's like you don't know the shit that you put me through. Yeah, I tell Anna, I tell Anna, this kid is only gonna get hemi downs. It's not. This kid doesn't deserve anything else. They're not going to even eat shrimp, daddy, dude. They're just going to get the shells. If people yeah. don't eat it, it's like, here, you exactly. eat the fucking tail of this, right? You fucking little piece It's like well, when we find the small shrimp in the stack, we're like, oh, you get that one. <laughs> this is for you. I love you to death, but. It falls on the floor. Oh, that's yours. Yeah, you're really expensive. Five second rule. Fucking enjoy that. Well, guys, that's, that's actually a, like 20 or 30 minutes more than we normally go on this podcast. That was Whoa. fucking great. That's awesome. We opened up about some deep shit. Well, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can they where can they find you guys? We are pretty active on Instagram. Which I didn't even know you had is. an Instagram. I'm not that active. <laughs> That's why. I thought SoCal Eater was your guys' combined Instagram and then it started out of that nowhere. Way. So many people thought the same thing. There's like Jeremy21. That's not Jeremy shit. You know that one. You got the couple shit. And I saw his thing. I was like, damn, I haven't tagged him in anything, dude. <laughs> it's, you know, yep. I mean, I'm not that active. Yeah. Yeah. You have like two posts a year. Two posts. That's what I strive for. <laughs> So you could find, I guess, Jeremy to one SoCal Eatery. You could find us at uh, Shrimp Daddy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Eat Shrimp Daddy is the Instagram. Uh, is it the Chichidango? Yes. And then it's going to be sip, sip matcha. Matcha. 
So those are all of our businesses that we have. We have a possible another one in the books. Who knows mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. the future yeah. holds for us. But remember, you guys can catch Genius Brain on iTunes, podcast, Spotify, and basically any kind of audio platform out there. If you guys have questions below for Jeremy and Anna, say it in the comments below on any of those platforms, specifically on YouTube. Uh, ask questions away. Thank you guys for sharing the whole IBF process. Thanks and for having us. Yeah, the whole business process. It was really supposed to be a, uh, a podcast about business. It turned into something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fucking fantastic. <laughs> All right, you stupid sons of bitches. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Cool.